This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. If the shortage of long-term care beds here in Toronto wasn't bad enough, it looks like it may soon be worse. The operators of eight long-term care homes in Toronto housing nearly 1,300 residents are intending to shut down and move their operations elsewhere. Six more are considered at risk of leaving. More than 300 long-term care homes across Ontario are slated for redevelopment over the coming decade to meet new standards. And basically what they say is that the cost of conversion in Toronto is too expensive and the provincial government isn't giving the homes an adequate subsidy to rebuild. Health Minister Eric Hoskins rejects that notion. What do you think? 416-360-0740, toll-free, 740 Right now, let's go to Bob Morton, who is the interim CEO of Advantage Ontario, the umbrella group for nonprofit homes. Hi there, Bob. How are you? Good afternoon. Okay, so um, where do you stand in this? The minister says the subsidies are totally adequate, and long-term care homes say no, they are not. Well, I wish it was as simple as yes versus no. Uh, the and and I don't want to speak on behalf of the ministry, and I certainly can't speak on behalf of the for-profit homes who are involved in this. But from the not-for-profit homes perspective, uh, let I, I can speak uh, from them. Sure. And the issue that they're facing is uh, driven by their missions, visions, and values, which needs them to remain connected with their communities. So the not-for-profit homes who are involved in the, in, who are faced with the need to redevelop to meet current standards, uh, are doing everything they can to find a solution uh, to a challenge. Uh, the challenge uh, is can be met in a variety of ways. Uh, I was speaking with one of our partner, one of our member organizations this morning who have entered into a partnership with a not-for-profit uh, condo developer who is developing uh, low lower-cost uh, condo property uh, in the Donlands, the West Donlands, and there, by sharing capital cost, by they're able to move forward with a plan to redevelop beds, and actually they've been fortunate to receive some additional beds in order to continue to fulfill their mission in the community. So my position, uh, speaking for our members, is that they're absolutely committed to find a solution to this difficult problem. Uh, yeah, but but uh, what I'm asking is, if you know, in the absence of some kind of partnership, is the subsidy 
that you get enough to try to redevelop in Toronto where land is expensive? I mean, does it always involve uh, needing to find more land? So on on the particulars, does it need to be more land? It's a really complex uh, requirement to redevelop a long-term care facility. There's no doubt that uh, we need more square footage per residence in order to be able to meet the current level of care and the anticipated level of care that long-term care residents will require. In many ways, this is a good news story. Uh, as the investments that government has made in home and community care have uh, supported more and more older people to stay at home, the result is that people entering long-term care are older, frailer, sicker, more cognitively impaired, and have shorter lengths of stay. So uh, while there continues to be a growth in demand, the demand isn't necessarily equivalent with the growth in population. So that's a good piece, and the not-for-profit members of Advantage Ontario are absolutely committed to uh, appropriate housing options, including long-term care. So when we look at uh, our membership, we see that the vast majority of them have combined with their long-term care facility other housing options, uh, whether it's uh, life lease-based or supportive housing or just uh, uh, retirement uh, apartments. Uh, that's part of the way in which our communities, our members, are trying to meet the community need. Okay, so let that, me just, that, um, sorry to um, okay. interrupt, but let me just, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, I think uh, people are a little bothered by uh, is that we don't know which long-term care, which are the eight that say they're going to have to move. Um, are any of them not-for-profit? And, and shouldn't people know if they can see on the horizon that they're going to need a facility that which ones might not be there? I absolutely agree with you, uh, but that's an issue that each facility, as it's dealing with uh, its residents, needs to be able to develop a communication strategy. Now, I know government would say uh, they haven't received applications from any of uh, the affected homes, those homes who need to be redeveloped. And so on that basis, uh, they're not dealing with a request to move. This is, uh, we're dealing with a potential to move. Um, I see. So it's a... Do they need un- permission? Until, pardon me? Does a private home need permission to move? A, a long-term care facility that's funded by the provincial government uh, whether it's operated on a for-profit basis or a not-for-profit basis, uh, requires the approval of uh, the government of Ontario. It's they're entering into a redevelopment or a development agreement, and uh, in order to move beds from one jurisdiction, a local health integration network, to another, it requires agreement uh, by the local the the LINs who are involved in that request. So an operator cannot, uh, without the approval of the provincial government or of the local arm of the provincial government, the local health integration network, can't pick up uh, and move without their approval. 
Okay, uh, let's take a call from uh, Brian in Brampton. Hey, Brian. Okay, no, hi, hi. It's, it's actually Susan. Susan. Okay, sorry, I had the wrong name there. Hi, Susan. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I believe that, you know, we, we need to start focusing on this, you know? Yep. You know, because, uh, okay, like, personally, okay, my mother's in, in a long-term care place right now. Right. Okay, and... And just me going there to visit her and whatnot, I, I could see all these problems coming ahead, like for for the baby boomers. Now, uh-huh. you know, a lot of people that I know of, okay, they're they're already like say like um something like like ODSP and whatnot for for whatever illness they have. They're over sixty five. Yeah, yeah, and they're getting you know like sixty five and and up to. 70 That's young these days. That's well, young th- these days. I mean, yeah, we're we're all going to get older. That's that's pretty clear. And the good news is, uh, just because we're getting older, it doesn't mean that we're going to be in a long-term care facility. We may need some supports as we age, and those supports will come from our family and potentially from the Ontario health system. But the vast majority of seniors can look forward to living out their lives in their own homes uh, and only needing support from the system for a very short period of time. So it's uh, we are uh, institutionalizing a much smaller percentage of our elderly population than we ever have. And this is all because when you ask the question of an elderly person or even of a baby boomer, uh, of which I am leading edge, do you want to live in a long-term care home? The answer will be no. So our response is to find ways to make it possible for people to remain at home. Yeah, but here's, here's the thing, and I think uh, we saw one government response and uh is that something happens uh you or an older person uh gets sick or takes a turn for for the worse i mean it actually just happened to one of our staffers here mother-in-law lives at home alone um has been living with i guess some kind of mild cognitive impairment she took a fall well, guess what? She's in the hospital. She can't go home. Where does she go? Uh, we just heard that uh, we're going to have what they call these alternate care facilities, but but likely she's going to have to go into some kind of facility, and it's not planned for. And now we're hearing that there may be trouble putting her in the community. Uh, Bob, I mean, wh- what would you say? I mean, that that situation is probably repeated thousands and thousands of times. Yeah. Well, it certainly is a, is an occurrence that does happen. But I just I wanted your listeners to know that everyone is not headed for long term care. It's uh, it is there as a backup to services that help people stay at home. That's why Advantage Ontario members are so actively involved in developing supports to help people live in their own homes, everything from community support services, meals, transportation, visiting, and so on, but as well developing housing opportunities that create good housing for people to age in place, good housing that allows the delivery of services to for people who need some additional support over and above uh, what they can receive from their families. 
So the bottom line is we will still need long-term care, and we will need long-term care that deals with an increasingly frail, uh, complex, and in many cases uh, cognitively impaired residents. So the, it is important that we redevelop the facilities, and it is important that we redevelop the facilities in the communities uh, where they are now, uh, that we don't uh, rip the heart of a community out by moving its long-term care facility. So that's what the not-for-profit sector is really focused on. Uh, the reality is rebuilding on a current site may be constrained. The issue of if you had enough room on your current site, you need to knock down the existing building in order to build a the size that you need to meet the future. What do we do with the residents in the short term while we're doing the rebuild? Uh, the challenges of the cost of land in Toronto are certainly well documented. The question is, are there other ways of solving this problem? Are there other public lands that could be made available to ensure that we have long-term care embedded in our communities? Are there ways in which we can combine our long-term care facilities with community hubs? Can we use a school property that's no longer needed uh, for educating the young? How can we convert that space to uh, uh, an effective community hub, health hub, campus of care? Okay, let's... <laughs> Sorry, thank that. Those are all interesting ideas. Let's hear from William in Toronto. Hi, William. Hi. Uh, uh, your guess that the uh, boomers don't want to go to long-term care facilities. Uh, I'd like to know why they don't like to go. And as soon as he answers that, you'll find that you have to improve uh, the long-term care facilities and the care that you get there, and more boomers will want to go there. Well, I mean, you know, when you ask a person when they're still pretty healthy, if they want to end up there or stay at home, I, I think the answer is, is pretty clear. Yeah, when you're healthy, it doesn't count. But, but uh, you need to make preparations. And if you do have to go, uh, then you don't want to go because uh, it's well-known fact that you're not going to get good care there. So. Well, it, it, I, I think it's not fair to, to say that in a blanket way. The system needs to be improved, but there are some excellent facilities and then some very, very, very uh, less than excellent facilities, but it's not really right to... to Okay, trash them all. Uh, too general. Too general. Uh, yeah, uh, I think to, I think it's not have, not a good idea to be, uh, considered uh, uh, anyway. Because uh, uh, if you ask, ask me, I wouldn't want to go to the long term care. I have no health problems now, uh, but if I did, I wouldn't want to go because I don't think I would get. Uh, it is my perception I would not get good care there from what I've heard about. Uh, people not getting good care there, so yeah. perhaps that should be looked into uh, well, it, first before anything else. It, yeah, well, it it actually is. There's a, an inquiry into long-term care. Um, I guess the problem is that you might be in a situation where you don't have a lot of choice, but we hear you, William. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay, let's go yeah, to Irene I, in Mississauga. Hello, Irene. Oh, hello. Thank you very much, Libby, for taking my call. I... Uh, 
I have a difficult uh, situation. Uh, I put one friend of mine to a nursing home. He is uh, 90 years old, Mm -hmm. and he couldn't look after himself. So I had to wait years. But I have another situation where is an other friend who's 86 years old. His brother sort of kicked him out from the house. And uh, I had to take him to a shelter. Because and there was no long-term care bed? No. And also no housing. I try to register him uh, with the CCAC. I try to call social workers. You see, the problem is when somebody is in a shelter, you cannot call in. They can call out. This person can't even look for himself to housing or anything, can't even go to the family doctor after he came out from the hospital because there is no transportation. He cannot park his car at the uh, shelter. So how can he go and look for housing or look after himself, go to the doctor? Mm, that's. I, that sounds like a really bad problem. Thank you for um, telling us about it. Um, let let, let me uh, respond. Uh, so we really need to look at these complex situations, not through the lens of the health system or not through the lens of our social service or welfare system, but through the lens of the person. And I believe that as we move forward with improving our primary care system, and primary care I define as much more than just primary medical care, the primary care system needs to be much broader in its approach to solving individuals' problems. Uh, Your caller described this as an elderly person with some health complications. Uh, Yes, they should have a family doctor, and through the family health team, if the family doctor is part of a health team, uh, there should be the range of assistance that deals with the housing issue, that deals with uh, the longer-term solutions, because you cannot have good health unless you have a decent roof over your head. You cannot have good health unless you have regular, good, nutritious meals. So if we solve those problems, we end up taking incredible pressure off the health system at the other end, and we create much better quality of life, better quality of care. So better care ends up being better value for us. Uh, you know, the individual, as, as he described, with his own car, obviously does not need long-term care services, but needs an approach that will look at him, help him identify what the key needs are, and get out of the box of just thinking about responding from a healthcare lens. Okay. Bob Morton, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to tell you about a big event happening this weekend. Of course, I am referring to the Zoomer Show. Uh, we'll take a break and be back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.